Well, good morning. Great to be back, and uh, it's great to have Dave and uh, Elizabeth Maynard with us as well. Uh, I, I did not realize, I knew we'd been supporting them for a long, long time as part of our missionary family. I did not realize it was like about 30 years or so. In fact, I also found out new this morning that Elizabeth actually grew up here back in the uh, 70s and through because her dad taught across the street at Clark Summit University, then Baptist Bible College. So uh, in a sense, Heritage is her home church from years ago. And, and then she and Dave got married, and they've been with Campus Bible Fellowship, uh, Fellowship up at Binghamton University for the last 30 years. Uh, they minister to college students there, and uh, we are glad to have them here as part of our church family. Had the opportunity this past, I don't know, February, March, somewhere in there. Uh, it seems like so long ago, but uh, with all of what we've been through this last 15 to 18 months uh, with COVID and the rest uh, and uh, the restrictions for their meetings up on uh, the university campus there in Binghamton, we, they were lining up um, Zoom meetings and speakers to come and, and talk to their college students, and so I had the opportunity uh, to do that this past winter, and it was uh, an encouraging time. Actually, a lot of different questions and opportunities to talk with the students. Had a great time doing that, and it is a, a, a joy this morning to have Dave and Elizabeth with us as our missionaries uh, to the uh, Binghamton University. And I would encourage you on the way out, stop by. I'm sure they'll say that, but uh, sometimes that always feels like self-promotion. And, and so I'll say it for them, but they have these cards so that you can pray for them. And the ministry on the campus there, Binghamton University, stop at the table. They'll be there after the service, an opportunity to say hi, get to know them. If you don't, let them know that you'll be praying. Dave, you got the floor. Good afternoon. Okay, a couple of you, yeah. Asa, that was tremendous, by the way. I appreciate your heart. I don't even need to preach after that. That was just great. Not that I'm going to necessarily preach, but thank you. Thank you. It is great to be back with you guys. Um, yeah, as Pastor shared, uh, Elizabeth and I have a rich, long heritage with you guys. No pun intended with that. Um, you will find, I, I tell father jokes, that's one of the things that my students laugh at me about, so, um, yeah. By the way, a fun one. Here's a fun one for you. I work with university students, right? You would think they would get this. They'll come up to me and they'll go, hi, and I'll say, thank you, but I gave that up years ago. <laughs> and they look at me with these really dumb, like, what? I was like, think about it a minute, think about it. And it's just like, oh, and then you just want to hit me. But, yeah, so I have a lot of dumb jokes that way. But, at any rate, that's what happens when you hang out with college students. Um, yeah, so we go back many years. Um, yeah, I crammed a four-year program into six over at what used to be called BBC. And, uh, yeah, we had a good time here. I once put my foot majorly in my mouth right here in this auditorium. If you want to hear that story, ask me later. But yeah, it was bad. 
But anyway, uh, just for those of you who know us and know our family, just a real quick update there. Uh, both of our sons got married about a year ago uh, in October. One October 10th, the other October 31st. So on Halloween of all days. Uh, don't ask me. That was the bride's idea. Um, so we are very grateful that we had sons, not daughters. It was a cheap, relatively cheap month for us. <laughs> so we're grateful for that. Uh, it was a crazy month, though, especially in light of COVID. Um, our younger son works at Wegmans there in Binghamton. He started out as a sushi chef there and now works in the sub department and is kind of entry-level management and whatnot. And they're getting ready to celebrate their first anniversary coming up here in a little bit and doing quite well. Our older son is uh, pastoring a mega church up in the Adirondacks in Indian Lake. He has all of 12 people. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I tell father jokes. Um, but he's doing a, a great job there. They're loving that ministry. He is ideal for that ministry. He just loves that environment up there, and uh, they are doing quite well with that. And then Elizabeth and I are, yeah, just celebrating, enjoying life. We've had our challenges. Uh, we are both naturally immunized now. Um, so in other words, we've had COVID, yay. Um, and are dealing with other aging-related illnesses and whatnot. I found out that I have arthritis in my pinky and bone-on-bone, bone and oh yeah, this is fun. Yay, old age. But God is good, is he not? He, he gives us sufficient grace and strength for every day uh, and every stage of our life, and we just celebrate that. Um, now, I have been given the daunting task to try and update you guys of several years' worth of ministry in uh, no more than 30 minutes, so bear with me with this. Um, and if, you, if the time finishes before I do, feel free to walk out. Students do that all the time. I'm used to it. Um, so, and then I'll get the idea, oh, maybe I should end. So what I'd like you to do this morning is we're going to look at three passages, and, and I just bear with me with this. It's probably not the greatest homiletical thing, uh, but bear with me with this. I, I have a point, and um, you know, I'm, desperate. I'm not trying to just do jumping off stuff. I think there's things here that we need to grasp for us as a, as a people. We tend to look at the world around us and say there is no hope, right? They, they just want nothing to do you know, things are moving slowly, it seems like, um, in evangelism, in outreach, in, in all that. And I, I want to hopefully show you something a little bit different and open your eyes and, and, yeah, hopefully get a little bit more energized with some of this stuff. So we're going to start with John chapter 4, verse 38 through, or 34 through 38. And I'm going to be using the, the New King James that just happened to be what I grabbed, and uh, so we'll just bear with me with that. I know you guys use the NIV, um, but bear with me there. But verse 34 through 38 in John chapter 4. And by the way, I do work with university students, so I will get ready, guys. I'm going to ask you a question, and do you know what that means? You have to answer me. They won't be rhetorical. Right? I'm used to feedback. Um, and if you think I'm off the wall, then tell me that too. That's all right. 
Again, students do that all the time. So starting with verse 34, Jesus said to them, uh, yeah, I'll start there. Uh, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do uh, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this uh, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and have uh, entered uh, into their labors. Okay, so now let's go to Matthew 9. We're, we're kind of bouncing around here a little bit, I realize. And again, I know homiletically that's not the thing to do, but bear with me. I want you to see something here. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, which reads, Then Jesus went, out, or went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Okay, now back to uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 3. I'll wait till I hear the pages settle. It reads this. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Uh, Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, um, and greet no one along the road. Anyway, he goes on, but I just want you to focus on those first uh, few verses there. So here's my question. How does Jesus describe the harvest? I'm sorry? Great. What plentiful? What else? Ripe? Anything else? I'm sorry? White. Yeah. Or white. Yep. So in other words, he describes picture now. And and understand his environment, right? Would you, would you say that it was um, favorable to Christianity? Nope. But what does he say about the harvest? How does he describe it again? He says it's plentiful, it's ripe, it's white. Um, and um, he also says something we didn't pick up. Uh, lost and in need of guidance, right? They were, they were sheep without a shepherd. 
and, and I'll kind of get to that with working with university students. But it's interesting too, he says, uh, here in this one, I think it's this passage. Uh, uh, oh no, it's the other one where he says that, um, uh, where was it? I think it's in, uh, maybe it was uh, John 4, where he says that, don't you say in four months, right? But he said, I say to you what? It's ready when? Now. So he describes it as plentiful, ripe, ready to be harvested right now, not four months from now. It's not a future thing. It's a now thing, right? And, and there's, it's, it's plentiful. It's great, right? Now, what does he say is necessary to see this harvest? Okay, there's laborers needed, but what does he say you need to see this harvest? I mean, this is not a trick question. It's, it's just simple right there in the text. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. I wonder why he said that. Do we have a tendency to not really see what's right, right in front of us? Don't we? I would argue, guys, I, I, I love this text, but we often, as missionaries, we often preach, it. oh, we need laborers, and we do, and I'm going to get to that. But I think we miss one of the points. Why do we need laborers? Because the harvest is beyond what one person can do. It's plentiful, it's ripe, and it's ready. I would argue that even in this day and age, there is a large harvest out there. It's plentiful, it is ready to be picked. Probably more so now, than in, in many years. Thank you, COVID. Amen? Thank you, COVID. It's woken a lot of people up. But we have to do what? We have to open our eyes and see the opportunities that are all around us. We have to see this, this white harvest field. Um, and so what I want to do now, as quickly as I can and as efficiently as I can, um, describe to you the little corner that God has blessed me with. It's also interesting, too, I wanted to, this is another thing I want to make note of, because um, this is truly, truly my heart. Back in John chapter 4, Jesus says, it's, it's at the woman at the well, right? And he says, they came back, the disciples came back and said, hey, you want some food? And Jesus is like, what? I have food that you don't understand. And what's interesting, what does food do? It satisfies and it sustains. And, and he says, you know, I'm not, I am satisfied in doing the will of my Father, doing his work. And I would argue for me, and you can check with my wife, I've, I've always kind of been like this, but the older I get, I'm even more. I find eating just a hassle. It's just a necessary thing I have to do. I know a lot of people like food. I'm just kind of like, I have better things to do. You know what satisfies me more? I spent all day Friday meeting with guys all afternoon. And wouldn't even think about eating. I was just like, I was just, you know, in other words, what satisfied Jesus was doing his ministry unto the people. And that's, it's just neat. That's just, anyway, that's just kind of a side note. But it just really struck me. It's like, yeah, I get it. I get that, Lord. I get that. Um, anyway, 
So just a little bit about, because some of you don't know about Binghamton University um, in our, our little corner of the field where God has placed us to work his harvest field. At Binghamton University, uh, we are now up to 18,600 students. Um, they had a goal of 20,000 by 2020. They didn't quite make it, uh, but they are 18,600 students. Roughly 52% of our student body comes from New York City and or Long Island. Um, and those of you who are from the city understand there is a distinction. Uh, you have to make that distinction unless you want to end up dead. Um, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, I've made that mistake more than once. I'm originally from the Midwest. I'm from Cleveland. So, I, I don't, you know, for me, it's west side, east side. Um, not Long Island City, uh, it's a little different. Um, roughly 26% of our campus is Jewish. On any given day, I have roughly six rabbis running around on my campus. Well, it's not my campus, on campus. Um, and by the way, Happy New Year. Rosh Hashanah was about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, so Happy New Year. That's God's New Year's. Right? The one that you're going to celebrate in January is man-made. Uh, Rosh Hashanah is God-made, so Happy New Year, the official New Year. We're year 5,000-something, 700-something, I don't remember now. Um, and also, do you know what happened about um, a week ago also? It was Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Um, I would encourage you, if you've never really studied that out, study that out. Jesus fulfilled all of that. It's just a tremendous study. But we have 26 percent of our campus is Jewish and um, probably due to COVID right now we're only about six percent of our campus is international. Typically we're around 10 percent and we will have over a hundred different nations represented on our campus at any given time. Um, and so yeah any language you want to speak it's there pretty much. And then we also um, work at Broom, uh, SUNY Broom, which is a community college. Our ministry there is struggling a little bit, again, be, unfortunately because of COVID, but there's roughly 6,000 students there. 60% uh, come from our county, Broom County, and then the rest are from upstate. And I think they had six international students last year. So, uh, But that's, that's just demographically a little bit about who we work with. Currently at Binghamton University, we are averaging about 22 students in our Bible studies. We meet Thursday nights at 7.30. So as you sit down to your Thursday evening meal, if you would, rep, or if you would remember us in prayer, we would greatly appreciate that. Um, so Thursdays, 7.30, we have roughly 22 students. Um, we also, and again, this is a blessing of COVID. Everybody freaked out with COVID, and, but COVID enabled us to make some changes in our group, which we have been desiring to do for years. And um, we now have three student-led uh, small group Bible studies, which we have been desiring to do for years. But because of COVID and because we couldn't be there and, and other factors, we were able to get those started. Now, what I do with those Bible studies is a little bit different. I meet with the leaders of those Bible study groups. So in other words, I sit down, I have, I teach what they're going to teach. So we go through it. So they actually clearly understand the text. 
Uh, because one of the things that I have experienced through the years with student-led Bible studies is they will sit down, they will read the text, and they go, so, how do you feel about it? Is that really what we want to accomplish? It's not a matter of how we feel about it. It's a matter of what does the text teach. Um, and so we do that, and it's been very effective. Um, our student leaders really appreciate that because then when they step in to teach, they have confidence. They have assurance that they have a good handle on the text and whatnot. Uh, so we've been doing that. And uh, one meets on Friday night. I think they have seven or eight students coming to that. One meets Saturday morning. I'm not sure how well that one's going to go, but that was their idea. Um, they initially started at 9 o'clock, and then the leader of that particular one realized that when he got to campus that, um, uh, what, what's it, what's the coffee? Dunkin' Donuts wasn't even open. Um, so that 9 o'clock hour probably wasn't going to work. So they switched to 11, and so we'll see how that goes. And then another one meets 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, and that one had about four or five students in that. So, and God is using that. It builds unity in the group and develops, helps to develop our student leaders. And we've been blessed with some really good leaders. Some other things that we've been able to do thus far at uh, Binghamton University is um, every fall to open up the campus, they have a big fest, a big get-together. Um, and what we do for that is we set up a tent and we give away snow cones. This last year, we gave away 1,500 snow cones in four hours. We gave away 50 Bibles during that time. And we had several very good conversations. Again, covid it's, it's just really interesting. Um, and so we, we shared the gospel. We had several opportunities to talk about Christ with the students during that time. And gave away, we had 50 students sign up for more information. Several of those came to our, our meetings and grateful for that. We were also able to table again. Now tabling, Pastor Paul here fishes, although questionable because he's cutting off his fingers. But um, if he keeps at it, it's going to be real hard to hold on to that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, don't give me ammunition. You know. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, it's, it's my fishing boat, right? I set up a literature table, just like what we have out here, same tablecloth. And um, there are no free Bibles on the table, but I put out that sign just to give you an idea of what we do. So we put out a sign that says, Free Bibles. I'll have a stack of Bibles in front of that sign, and then, um, yeah, we just go fishing. Now, the fun part, my students didn't believe me when I told them this. So what does the word free mean, guys? Amen, brother. Amen, amen. So it means free, just take, right? Now, Binghamton University, the average GPA there, high school entrance, is like 3.9 or 8 or something like that. It's really high. 3.75, I think it is. Do you know how many times I have students come up to me and ask, what do I have to do for this free Bible? <laughs> I'm not kidding. And my students didn't believe me. And so they were tabling me, with me the other day, and sure enough, about... Six kids, six students came up and said, what do I have to do for this Bible? And we have fun with that. We'll say, 100 push-ups. Oh, okay. 
It's like, I see the coach over here. The coach would be like, yeah, do them. So I'm, I'm starting to learn I need to come up with a little bit better response than 100 push-ups. So I, we're, we're now going, tell me what you currently understand about Jesus, right? Tell me what you currently understand about Jesus. So we're kind of changing our tactics, but it's just, it's just mind-blowing that they don't get it. But in the, we've only tabled three times. I've already given away 40 Bibles, guys. I've already given away 40 Bibles. The harvest field is what? It's ripe. It's ripe. Uh, we did a retreat uh, just last, this past Saturday. We had um, 13 of us total. Had a great time. We went to First Baptist Horseheads. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we're already doing, we're doing one-on-one Bible studies, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, as many as we can put into our schedule, we do one-on-one studies. Because that's where the real growth takes place, guys. We're glad to have them come Thursdays. They learn and, and so on, and they have great fellowship. But it's in the one-on-one times where you're actually able to get into their lives and help them deal with sin, help them deal with their life challenges and decisions that they're making or thinking about making and so on. And so we, we just really um, praise God for those opportunities. Now, many ask, it's funny, when COVID hit and the campus shut down, we had several people go, so what are you guys going to do? Well, everything just switched to online, and we were probably busier last year than we had been in a long time because everything went online, and we were exhausted. How many of you have enjoyed Zoom fatigue? <laughs> yeah? Oh, man, we were, we were exhausted because we would, we would be on Zoom almost all day, every day meeting after meeting. We would do our one-on-one Bible studies that way. We would do our group studies that way. We'd do our small group Bible studies that way. Uh, but we were just, we were busier than, and nothing slowed down at all. It, in some ways, like I said, it, it picked up. The, the good thing is we didn't put any miles on a car, didn't spend any money on gas. Um, it paid for Zoom by doing that. Um, but, you know, God was great. He also brought students to us. He brought the harvest literally to us because we had no way to advertise, none of that, but the students found us. We had about six or better students uh, join us. They found us online uh, by wh- whatever means and got involved, and they became regular attenders to our Zoom meetings, and we just praise God for that. Our, our average last year was in the mid-20s at our, at our Bible studies. Uh, we did, we, like I said, we were able to start um, small groups because of it. We did one-on-ones. Another thing that I have been doing for years this year didn't happen. Again, unfortunately, this is a casualty of Zoom, or Zoom, yeah, uh, of COVID, is for years I did a radio program. There'd be myself, a Jewish student, two Jewish students, actually, and a Muslim student, and we would talk about all things religious, and we did this for about five or six years. Uh, but because of COVID, they weren't able to find their replacements, so we, weren't, we didn't have things together enough to actually get started this semester. I am hoping and praying that we're able to get that started next semester. Um, I realize that there's, we probably have um, only family members listening to our radio program, uh, but I'm there for those guys in that room. I had a captive audience of two Jewish people and a Muslim, and you know what they heard week after week? Jesus died for them. (laughs) 
I, I just preached the gospel to them. I didn't care who was listening on the air. I just had these captive guys. And the, the funny thing with the radio thing is um, they would often try to make their faith sound as good, as positive as Christianity. And they couldn't do it. To do it, they'd lie. And we have one Muslim contact that would get in touch with Elizabeth all the time and say, that Muslim guy's lying. He's lying. That's not what it is. <laughs> it, was, it was fascinating. But they heard the gospel. The other thing that God did through COVID is um, cause, enabled us to reconnect and or encourage and support many of our alumni. So a lot of our alumni, right? COVID just scared us all to death, didn't it? And we have many young couples, married students from, they met in CBF and, and got married and so on, that were desperate to stay connected because now all of a sudden they're all isolated, they're scared, they don't know what's going on. And so through Zoom, we're able to um, reconnect with them and encourage them. And we've really been, for some of them, their lifeline during all this COVID stuff. Because weekly, every Sunday evening, we would get together and play games on Zoom and visit. And uh, a couple of them are young families. They have young kids and just trying to get it all figured out. And so just a real blessing. And we had alumni reach out to us from literally around the world, making sure we were okay. And uh, one of them we were able to witness to a little bit more. He, he wasn't a Christian, still isn't to our knowledge. He's in Germany and we've had an opportunity to interact with him a bit. So COVID brought a lot of good things. Another interesting thing is the last event that we did uh, before the campus shut down was our Thank God for Israel event. Uh, again, we are 26% Jewish. And to reach Jewish people, you have to express and show your love and concern for them. Because... The reality is, whether we want to accept this or not, Christians have abused and tortured and done horrible things to Jewish people through the centuries. Maybe not us as Baptists, right? Um, but in the name of Christ, horrible things have happened. And so they do not trust us with good reason, right? Now, what's interesting... <clears throat> I have taken the opportunity to share Baptist history with them because they don't know who we are. When they hear Christian, they actually think of a whole other group of people. And I won't name them. I'll let you figure out who they are, but they carry the Christian name. Um, but when I rehearse, you know, we as Baptists have also suffered at the hand of those other Christian people. They're like, really? And now all of a sudden there's a connection right? Because they, oh, you've suffered too, right? Baptists have suffered with us. Um, and that, that kind of opens their eyes. But we've done this thing, uh, thank God for Israel. We do it, try to do it every other year or so. And so the last event that we were able to do was thank God for Israel. We tried to get a Jewish speaker. That didn't work out. So we did get uh, Dr. Mike Stallard. He came and he shares his testimony. And um, unfortunately, because of COVID, we it was supposed to be on campus. We were supposed to be the last event on campus, but they even shut that down. So being resourceful, we go, hmm, what can we do? Where can we meet? Because we did have a few Jewish students that still wanted to meet. So we reached out to the Jewish people. We went over to the Chabad Center. I didn't quite do that right, but 
you got to get that guttural thing. <clears throat> and uh, they graciously let us come in. And so here we are presenting the gospel to Jewish students in a Jewish synagogue, basically, a Jewish center. And they had kosher food, so we treated the students to that. It was just, it was just a really neat way to end um, our you know, in-person uh, service and so on. And so that's kind of how we, we did that. Um, now, some other past highlights. Again, I'm talking about our mission field, and I want to give you an idea just how ripe and how open it is and just the opportunities that God gives us. So for about five years, I was a beekeeper. I'm not a beekeeper now, basically because my neighbors don't like bees, so I had to quit. Um, long story. But during this time, as I mentioned, 26% of our campus is... Jewish. During the fall holidays, do you know what they use a lot of? Honey. They use a lot of honey in the fall holidays. So I thought, hmm, maybe this is a good way to reach Jewish people. So I reached out to one of the rabbis. I said, hey, um, I'll gladly give you guys honey. I know you use honey. I'm a beekeeper. I'll donate honey to you. And they were like, man, eh, hmm, hmm. this is the Chabad Center, which is very orthodox. You're like, eh. Now, free is very appealing to them. But I'm a what? I'm a Christian. I'm a Gentile. Hmm. They're not real sure about this. And so I kept saying, would you like some? I'll bring you a sample. You can sample some of my honey and, and whatnot. And he finally, he said, well, okay, we'll take a sample. And then the next week, this is during the summer, we're going through orientation uh, so we're actually had, this is before COVID, pre-COVID. And so the next week when he saw me, he said, you know, my kids, and they have kids, <laughs> uh, be fruitful and what? Multiply. Multiply. They do. I feel sorry for those wives. Um, so he says, my kids would be very interested to see how you harvest honey. I'm like, okay, I'll gladly, next time I harvest, I'll let you know. Now, do you know what was actually the underlying thing there? It wasn't that his kids were interested. He wanted to see if I was kosher enough. That's what he was interested in, right? Because I told him I, I only used, because I knew I wanted to potentially use this as outreach, I, there were certain utensils that I used for honey and nothing else, right? Nothing else. It was just strictly for the honey. So... <laughs> here he is he find, he goes we, I, I was getting ready to do some harvesting and so I said hey I'm, I'm going to harvest on this day Would you, can you come he was just like sure we can be there so he comes with his wife who is pregnant his words he said she's in the bottom of the ninth <laughs> his words not mine just <laughs> so he's with his very pregnant wife Three or three little kids, another rabbi, and a couple of kids, and they're in my backyard. They're in my backyard, and all the while it's like 80 degrees out, and I'm praying, Lord, please don't let this woman deliver in my backyard. <laughs> please, no. Um, you know, here's a chair, relax. Um, so they, they watched me harvest, and then they actually came into my home and watched me extract it and crank the handle. You know, because it was, I had a, you know, you crank it and spin it and all that kind of stuff. 
And, they, and then they're tasting it as it comes out and all this. But they're also on their cell phones going, yeah, I know what they were looking up. Is this kosher? <laughs> Is this kosher? And in the end, I was able to donate, uh, I don't know, seven or eight gallons of honey to them and built that bridge, built that bridge. It's kind of sad that I don't have that anymore. Uh, but again, think about this. I had two rabbis and their children in my home. In my home. Here I am, a Gentile, and they know that I'm a Christian. And, you know, and, and actually proselytizing. And yet they were in my home, and I had that opportunity in building those bridges. Right? God just blesses. Another day, I'm walking out, I'm leaving the university, and I see this young man sitting on, on one of the benches. He just looked forlorn. Again, this is pre, just before COVID. Um, he looked forlorn. And being the shy person that I am, I went up to him and I said, hey man, are you all right? And he looks up to me and he goes, dude, can you help me figure out the rest of my life? <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, and I said, no, and I ran. No, I, I spent... I sat down and spent a half hour with him and, and preached the gospel with him, shared the gospel with him, and we built relationship. I don't think he's saved. He, he made a profession, but I, I, don't, I, really, I honestly don't think that he's saved. Uh, his name is Joel. Um, if you'd pray for Joel, we would say Joel, but he says Joel. Uh, if you'd pray for Joel, I'd appreciate that. This is senior year. I've had other contact with him. It's, we, we still get together, but, you know, there's little, for whatever reason, little distancing there. Uh, so pray for Joel. And many of you, if you've kept up with our prayer letters, uh, you've also know the name, you're, hopefully you know the name Esra. Uh, she's a, a Muslim gal that reached out to Elizabeth four or five years, four or five years ago now, something like that. Um, and uh, she did come to know Christ as Savior. She is a born-again believer, but pray for her. She's struggling. There are cultural misunderstandings that we've had along the way, and we're working through those with her. Um, she's still being discipled by actually a friend of ours back in Ohio, um, and so and she is in church and, and all that kind of stuff, but, but pray for Essa. She just She reached out to us and um, came with questions. And so Elizabeth met with her several times and ultimately uh, Esther came to know Christ as Savior, a Muslim uh, woman, but pray for her. Another uh, individual that reached out, we were reached out to by one of our churches in the Binghamton area. His name is Tural, he's from Azerbaijan, um, not a believer yet. Um, he was in Germany for a while, got involved with Seventh-day Adventist? Some, yeah, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. But we've been able to meet with him, so pray for Terrell. Um, another big thing that we've done in the past is pre, uh, we do a pre-Thanksgiving dinner. We do it at Grace Point Church right across from the university. And we're going to see, pray for us, we're going to try and do it again this year. We're going to see with COVID, we'll just see what happens. But typically we would get 200 students out for this. Free food, you know. Um, my favorite thing was to reach out to the baseball guys. I get the, pretty much the whole baseball team to come to that event. They'd fill a whole, well, two tables. 
Um, and then I'd always have to warn, warn the uh, kitchen staff that they were getting ready to hit the table. Because <laughs> once the baseball guys went through, there was nothing left, man. <laughs> so, whoa. Um, but, but pray for that. Hopefully that will also come about. Now, as I said, Jesus also described right, the, the, his fields as they were lost without a shepherd. And guys, that is so true. The harvest field is ripe. It's ripe because they are lost and without a shepherd. And some examples of that, um, this year one of our students said, hey, could you meet with a student? Um, he's, he's really struggling. And this, this young man grew up in a Christian home, but he now considers himself an agnostic. And he is, this dude is confused. He is confused. Now, the, the Christian home he grew up in, uh, from what he shares with me, it would be a very liberal uh, Christian background, and so that's leading to that confusion, right? But even on campus, he's been involved with a different student group. There's not the teaching taking place there, so he's, there's not the challenges and, and so on. Um, this young man's name is Brian. Please pray that Brian and I are able to continue to meet, but this young man is, he is confused. And he's not the only one that I have seen come through. Uh, guys, the reality is that most Christian young people that come to us are biblically illiterate. They do not know what the Bible teaches. They know salvation, and that's it. That is it. Beyond that, they don't know the scriptures. They don't, they, theologically, they are lost and confused. My daily prayer is, Lord, lead them out of deception. Amen? Uh, it's just so many things. Another uh, Jewish student, well, he doesn't call, he's, he says he's Jewish by heritage, but he came by the table and took a Bible. Um, he's a senior. I don't know his name. I'm praying that he comes back. But again, just an illustration of lost and without a shepherd. He is, he got, he's an alcoholic. He's, he is a recovering alcoholic. And so that's why he, he says he, he has his own God now, right? Because in AA, you just get a higher power. So he doesn't know who he serves. He doesn't know who his God is. So pray, I challenge, you know, he has information, get back in touch with me. I could tell he wasn't ready to give me any more information than that. And so a lot of times when you fish, you get that nibble, right? And you, you try to set that hook, but pray for him. Pray that God will bring him back. Lots, lots of opportunities that way, guys. Our young people, this generation is truly lost and without a shepherd. The confusion politically is adding to this, right? It's just... It's a ripe harvest. You need to This generation is so wide open. You know what they're hungry for, guys? Discipleship. They call it mentoring. I call it discipleship. But they are hungry. They want mature people to step into their lives and love on them. That's what they want. They are hungry for that. And they, oh, the needs are great, guys. The needs are great. If any of you here, those of you who might be over at Clark Summit University, you're looking for an internship, we need help. I have more things going on on that campus than what I can do. That harvest field is bigger than what I can manage. If God is tugging on your heart for ministry, 
please join us. You think about it. We're, we're dealing with the, the young, we're dealing with people that will engage and converse with you about anything. Like I said, on Friday, I met with three guys, well, more actually. But do you know the conversations that we got into were Jesus, church, what is church? Do you, Pastor, I want to encourage you, preach church. Young people today have no idea what church is. None. Zip. It's a cultural thing they do. It's a social event on Sunday. Is that what church is, guys? No. But that's what they've experienced. They don't know. It's, it's so cool when I teach them church is body. Right? We are the body of Christ. Right? And they've bought into, and, and I want to be careful here, but we often talk about kingdom, but it's interesting. The New Testament, New Testament, once you get past the Gospels, doesn't talk about kingdom. You know what it talks about? Church. Building the body of Christ. Church. It leads into kingdom, yes. But it's, and yeah, at any rate, I'm, I'm out of time. But come join us. I want to end with this one, one thing. If you go back to, let's see, where is it? Uh, Exodus 4.2. <clears throat> you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to summarize it for you because there's so much more, right? We go into, Jesus warned them, they were going to the wolves. Guys, we're in the wolves. I, you know, the university is against us. <clears throat> I don't care. God's bigger. My shepherd's bigger than him. He's got a big stick, man. Um, but anyway. In Exodus 4.2, I want to end with this. I want to challenge you guys with this. Moses and God are talking. Moses is freaked out. I don't want to do this. I don't know how to do this. God says to Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses said a staff. God's like, okay, we're going to use that staff. Here's my question to you guys. What do you have in your hand? Right? And what I mean by that, what hobbies do you have? What do you have that you can share with your neighbor, get involved with your neighbor? As I mentioned, I was a beekeeper. Do you know what? I use beekeeping to reach lost people. Another thing I enjoy doing is photography. I, I love film photography. I still do film photography. I use photography to reach students for Christ. It's a point of connection right? It's something comfortable, right? I'm not just beating them over the head with the Bible. I'm getting involved in their lives. I'm sharing something. I'm a cyclist. I do bicycling. I rode 60 miles yesterday. I wanted to do 100, but the guy I rode ride with wasn't up for it, so we only did 60. But anyway, um, I use that. Guys, what do you have in your hand that God can use to help you reach your field? Right? You with me? What do you have that God can use? Ladies, do you bake? Do you sew? Do you ride bike? Do you do photography? You know, what do you do? Guys, what do you do? You fish. Are you using fishing to fish? What do you have in your hand? Let's simplify this. Use what you have. Reach to your neighbors. Reach to young people. Draw them in. Share what you have. They want to learn. Anyway, I am way out of time. Guys, reach the ripe harvest field. It's not tomorrow. 
It's not four months. It's now. It's ripe now. It's ripe ahead of time. So, anyway, thank you guys for supporting us, praying for us, making it possible for us to hang out with college kids, and it's, it's a blast. Every, it's funny, I get pastors say, how can you hang out with college kids? And I'm like, how can you pastor every week? <laughs> I, yeah, I love college kids. They talk to you. You guys aren't talking to me now. Oh, anyway, sorry. Um, it's, yeah, anyway, sorry. I got to quit. I guess, Pastor, you're coming to close? So thank you guys for your support, for your prayers. If you have more questions, please, appreciate it. Dave, thanks so much. Dave and Elizabeth, thanks for being here today. I uh, hope you'll take an opportunity to meet them at their table out here when you're done. But uh, thanks so much for this challenge. I, I can't help but think, as I was listening to Dave, you, for the last 30, 35 minutes, we've heard relationship, 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 relationship all across the board. Each of us tomorrow and this week are going to be in the exact place God wants us to be, where he's put us. We have the opportunity to develop relationships, to build bridges into people's lives, which ultimately lead, we trust and pray, to sharing the gospel with those around us. That's the way we can reach our world, through God's strategic plan in your lives, right where he has you this week. And so I hope you'll take this challenge this week and really begin to develop those relationships, deepen relationships that you already have, both in your neighborhood and your workplace, at school, wherever you may be this week. Let's stand together and we're going to pray, all right? Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you for this challenge today. Thank you for the privilege that we have to partner with Dave and Elizabeth in this endeavor there in Binghamton. We're grateful for the ministry they have and for the way that you have used them over these years. Thank you for their steadfastness, their perseverance, their faithfulness. God, I pray that as we go from this place today and we enter again tomorrow into not only the harvest field, but our individual harvest fields, God, I pray that you would give us eyes that see all this. And we won't wait till tomorrow or the next day or the day after or four months from now to begin to shed the light of the gospel in the lives of people that we're developing relationships with. Thank you for this privilege of knowing Jesus Christ and being able to take him to the world that's lost. And so I pray you'll help us to do that this week and to do it effectively. Thank you again for our time together, and may you be honored and glorified in our lives this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.